My name is Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 172 of Cinepods. Cinepods. <laughs> Today we have our very special guest, Mr. Mike Polshock. Mike, hey. say hello to the people. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Hello, people. I like Mike is a returning guest. He yeah. is a member of the of the family, you know, of the of the extended family. He is a, a well known rocker, you know, rock uh, musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel blessed and honored to have you here, Mike. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. feeling blessed and honored to be back for a second time. Thanks. I'm glad I, I mean, didn't. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't leave a bad stain the first time. No, not at all. Well, we are we are generally not good at having people back on because we're not good at having people on in the first place. So it often feels weird to have a second time guest when we know full well that there are people who we never had on that we were like, yeah, we'll have you on. And then we just yeah. never got back to them. So it's weird. But I'll straight up say for people listening, uh, Mike got me into a show and I was very appreciative of that. And then at the show, you were like, oh, maybe I could come on and talk about Greg Araki. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's such a good idea. Let's do that. And that's really all it took was uh, Mike had a good idea. Uh, so sorry to everyone who's waiting in the wings. Maybe yeah, send us a follow up email. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm so stoked on this episode. We're going to be talking about uh, Greg Araki's Nowhere, which is not one of the Greg Araki movies I had heard a lot of people talk about before uh, watching it. You know, I, he's he's someone who I've heard people discuss in relationship to the doom generation or to his sort of breakout movie, the living end. Uh, but you know, I haven't heard at least recently as much discussion of nowhere. So I was really stoked that you chose it, Mike. And I'm, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I hadn't known a ton about Greg Araki until I saw smiley face. And I loved that movie. I, I thought Anna Ferris was really great in that. And I thought that it was just super stylized and that's kind of unlike a lot of his other movies, but I found nowhere and I don't even, I forget where I like had the idea to watch it, but it changed, it like changed my brain. It felt like a, like a Brett Easton Ellis novel or something. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about it. That is pretty cool. I love that you're <laughs> in with smiley face because, uh, when I was uh, very ill with COVID, we'll talk about it in a little bit. One of the three, <laughs> one of the three movies I made time for with smiley face and finishing it, it became my least favorite Greg Araki movie. <laughs> it's definitely the one that's like the most, di- I feel like, you know, mysterious skin is another one that's pretty different, but like still thematically a little similar. I feel like smiley face is totally its own, its own beast. It, 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 it really is. Uh, we're, we're not going to spend too much time talking about it, but before we get yeah. into nowhere, we'll talk a little bit about Greg Araki and some of the movies we've seen of his and just sort of his place. You know, this guy, I mean, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but I do think The Living End was an important moment in establishing this like new queer cinema, you know, of the late 80s, early 90s that became its own kind of film movement, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I think there are people who really know him for The Doom Generation, which, is, you know, friend of the show, Adriana Gober, called it his most straight film. Um, <laughs> well, which, that, may even, that may even be one where I feel like in the beginning, it usually says like another homo film by Greg Araki or something. I think that is the one where he, he said not another gay film or, or like, you know, yeah, whatever. I think yeah. I think he tried to differentiate it, but still, you know, come on. Yeah. But, I, <laughs> you know, it's the one that a lot of people have seen, but I don't think it really represents necessarily his filmography overall. Um, but a, a lot of other people who know that kind of moment are probably familiar with the living end and, and, and the living end being a movie that kind of like inflamed a lot of people because it was sort of unique in, in 
both its its um, topic and the way that it handled it in its tone, I think. So, yeah. uh, but we'll get to all that. Uh, b- b- before we do that, though, we, of course, have people to thank. You know how it goes, Mike. You have a podcast, Wine yeah. and Cheese, <laughs> one that I love and miss. I would... Uh, I would love for it to come back. I was about to say I would pay for it to come back, but I literally would not do that because we don't have any money. But in a way, um, you pay for it to be hosted or something. That's so true. In we a do, way, you're paying for the, it. Yeah, yeah that's you right. keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to Joey. I'll see what we can do. Uh, but I do love it. I do love the show. I love it. I Thank love you. it. But um, you know how it is. It's it's. We got to thank some people. So up first, Josh. Who do we got to thank first? Who's first we, on the thanks list? First on the thanks list as always, is the good people who support us on Patreon, who uh, have see value in us that they can support with, you know, with their money. And we truly do appreciate it because without you guys, we wouldn't be able to grow and we wouldn't be able to do the things that we do. So first and foremost, I want to give a big up to all the Patreon patrons. If you are one of the people who supports us on Patreon, we, you know, we've been posting some content there. We're hoping to post some more Patreon specific content. If you have uh, some thoughts about that, let us know. Let us know what you think of what we've done already, what we would like to do in the future, uh, or what what you think we should do in the future. Uh, Big ups to our friend Sophia, who gives us feedback on like every post of Lunch with Liam, and I really appreciate that. Um, Of course, we want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Even even the man himself, Chris Reject, I'm feeling in a good mood, so I'm going to go ahead and say (laughs) today we love Chris Reject. We appreciate him and all the people who work with him over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, And we think you should head to xlvacx.com for your screen printing needs. Josh, what, what are some of the things that you could get screen printed over there by those folks? Maybe if you needed a team uniform that all said the same thing in screen print, you can go to LVAC. If you needed maybe a banner, they can do large format, can't they? For like your role playing club. Guess what? We got to, we, we know a guy, we know a company. Here's the thing. Maybe they can't. I don't know. Go I ask don't know. Chris. They'll try. They, yeah. yeah. Chris will try. I, I, I do know, assuming they still do it, they do pins. And I know people, pins pins are sort of a on and off again thing for for, for bands and such. Uh, but recently I've been seeing more pins uh, and patches, which I didn't think Ooh. patches were going to make a comeback at all. And Chris does great patchwork. So, uh, you know, they have a embroiderer if you need, need something embroidered. Um, they've got all kinds of stuff over there. So, xlvacx.com uh you know uh, uh, it's a place to get the professional service uh with with a punk attitude of course we <laughs> want to thank our friend uh Aaron Dahlbeck over at essexcoffeeroasters.com uh you know it, it's not complicated Eric gets uh, Eric Aaron gets quality beans he roasts them to order so that when you order your coffee uh you're going to get it as fresh as possible uh he also has quality tea and some awesome t-shirts. So head on over to Essex Coffee Roasters. After you put your order in, you're going to put a code in. Josh, what's that code? You're going to put C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X in as your code at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. Not only that, you'll receive the knowledge that you let Aaron know that we're cool too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. I also, uh, b- before we jump in with with our last one, I, I've been trying to work this into the thing here. I always forget. I do a, I do a t-shirt company, and we're not officially sponsors, but in a way we are because, uh, you know, I regularly uh, ship stuff out using the the 
company stuff. So there you go. Uh, so it's the rough cut, sort of an unofficial sponsor of Cinepunks. Uh, but also if you love me, uh, support what we're doing with <laughs> rough cut. Uh, we're about to ship out our possession and demons drop. So uh, cool. soon we'll have our French new wave stuff to send out. Uh, we got some cool stuff coming up. Uh, we recently did a very mean, uh, April fool's prank on our buddy, Evan, Valella, because he's been begging for these end of the world movie shirts for a while. So we said we were going to do it and then we didn't do it. We just did it to mess with Evan and I feel bad. So I think what you should do and, and Justin doesn't listen to this. He'll have no idea. I said this, you should go and message rough cut fan club on Instagram that you really want a, a shirt for either the day after or threats. threats. Those are the two, those are the two movies. Oof. Send us messages that you want the shirts for those movies so that Evan can get his shirts. Cause I feel really bad. It wasn't my idea to play this trick on Evan. Now, when I knew that Justin had played the trick, I thought it was really fucking funny, but I do feel a little bad because it, not just Evan, but a number of people were excited at the idea of getting these very depressing end of the world movie shirts. And it was just a joke. So now I feel bad. So go, go put the pressure on. Hopefully Justin will, will do the designs. Cause as y'all know, all, all I do is ship the shirts. Justin does the actual art. So, um, and then, of course, we want to thank our, our buddy Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. He does the the mixing and the editing for this podcast as well as horror business. And uh, he does a variety of, of media stuff over there. So if you have an idea for a media project, uh, head on over to MechanicalSharkMedia.com. Sharky would love to hear your idea. And, you know, if you guys can work on it together, that would be great. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> MechanicalSharkMedia.com. That's about it. Uh uh, for the thank yous, uh, Mike, thanks for sitting through that. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, bills. yeah. yeah. And of course we want to uh, go into our segment here, which it has a name that's kind of like a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a silly name, right? Yeah. Mike, you've done this before, right? Yeah. Haven't you I, done this? I think so. Yeah. I think I know what you guys are getting at. Yeah. There's, well, I mean, do you know the words by which this segment is referred to as? I might. I think I do. Should, should I say it? <laughs> I think so. Okay. Are we all going to say it at once? Yeah, man. We're uh, waiting okay. on you, buddy. Okay. Do ready? It. Three, two, one. Whack it on track. track. Oh, dude. Right. With a countdown. I love it. I didn't yeah. want to spoil it. I didn't want to be the only one doing it, you know? That would be great. The, the, latest, the latest gimmick has been cutting each other off. But once I realized <laughs> that you were really going to do it, then I thought, no, let's let's go back to old school and do it, <laughs> right, do nice. it together. We'll do it together. Mike, where are you trying to go in this, in this yeah. order, in this lineup? Would you um, want to go first? Would you want to go second? Or would you want to go last? I'll, I'll, I'll go second. How's that sound? I'll let someone take the lead. Okay. okay. Well, Sounds you good. know, I'll go first. I think a lot of people who listen to this probably already know if they follow me on social media, but in case you don't, I've had COVID. It's one of the reasons that this episode is probably coming to you. We we were killing it for a while there, Josh, of like, yeah, record on a Monday episode is out by like Wednesday, just really doing the thing. Uh, mostly because Sharky's amazing, but also we've been trying to be more on top of recording. Um, and the reality, uh, is y'all, I got COVID. So I already had a bit of a problem with our usual recording schedule because Maeve had, um, spring break. And so with Maeve going on spring break, there was already an issue, but to make things even more ridiculous, y'all, 
they've tested positive for COVID one day into spring break. So we did Monday of spring break and then Tuesday she's got COVID. And then of course, since I'm taking care of her and I'm all in her space, that meant Thursday I have COVID. And then of course, Sue's taking care of me and taking care of Maeve meant Sunday Sue's has had COVID. So Mm -hmm. it's just been the plague house over here. Uh, On the bright side, Maeve had very mild symptoms. She was definitely sick for a couple days, uh, but got got it together pretty quick. And in fact, when I was like at my most sick and Suze was not yet sick, Maeve was well enough that she was actually able to like go outside a little bit and play and, you know, uh, go to some parks and stuff. So she wasn't totally like fucking uh, in, in a cage, you know? Uh, but, uh, and then Suze hasn't had very severe symptoms this whole time. So that's good. Just kind of tired and sniffly. Uh, I got knocked out for a few days. I had a few days of hell. Uh, now to be fair, uh, and I, I think this is something that everyone knows, but I just want to reiterate, this is a disease that people die from. So like when I say my symptoms were bad, they obviously weren't that bad because I recovered, but, um, but it wasn't fun. It was, it was, it was about three days of, 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 you know, just, just a rough time. And I knew that we had this episode coming up. So one of those days I had a Greg Araki super day, basically where I watched a marathon, some call. Yeah. I watched nowhere. Then I watched smiley face and then I watched mysterious skin. So you ended on a pretty dark note there, huh? Uh, yeah. Now to be fair, <laughs> that was influenced by, partly by friend of the show, Adriana Gober, who loves Mysterious Skin and really thinks it's his greatest movie and was like, you know, kind of of the opinion that uh, Iraqi's movies post Mysterious Skin are kind of hit or miss. So, you know, that I should definitely give it a chance. I don't think she intended for me to watch all those in one day per se, (laughs) uh, but I just was like, uh, you know, I'm still in bed. I'll just put this on. And I'll tell you what, I'm already, you know, I'm sick. So I'm already emotional. Right. Like the fucking uh, the fucking boy genius music video made me cry. So clearly, like I'm I'm not exactly at my strongest emotionally. And Mysterious Skin is a it's it's a tough it's a tough watch. It's an emotional film. I think it's brilliant. But I understand why so many letterbox reviews of it by my friends were like, what a great movie that I will never watch again. All right. Some some real heavy subject matter for sure. I mean, to be fair, you know, I think the living end is that his, I think that's his first movie. We'll look it up before we start the main discussion, but I think that's his first movie. That is a dark comedy um, that involves lots of random murder. So it's not like it's pretty clear that we're dealing with a tonal mix from the beginning, you know, in, in mm-hmm. fact, of the of his movies I've seen, you could maybe think of Smiley Face as the most direct comedy, you know? Yeah, but, I think so. But I, I think, think it also has a bit of dark humor to it as well, you know, mm-hmm. because it pushes its gimmicks so hard that by the end, it's very sad. In fact, I got to say, Mike, we'll take a brief detour here just about Smiley Face. <laughs> when I was when I finished Smiley Face, I thought <coughs> if I was like Mike in that I was a fan of the weed and Josh, you'll appreciate this. Oh, you I, like, I don't you smoke like, weed. I don't do smoke you weed. not smoke weed? I don't smoke weed. No, no he is, I, you're an edgeman. You're not. Uh, an edgeman. I'll, I'll drink. I drink. You drink, but beer. I oh, drink yeah. beer. Oh. Okay. See, I thought you liked weed. And <laughs> no. so now that I know that you don't like weed, then I'm going to say, Mike, don't you feel kind of bad? Like, when this movie ended, I thought, does Greg Araki hate weed? Because <laughs> it starts off, Josh, like Anna Faris is every lovable 
pothead in a lovable pothead movie. And by the end of the movie, I'm like, Anna Ferris is ruining her life with weed. Yeah. It's like just <laughs> weed. She's not doing other shit. She's just so into weed that by the end of the movie, you're just like, man, your life sucks. It, it ended Mike. <laughs> and as an edgeman, I thought, am I allowed to like this movie? Is this a straight edge movie? <laughs> it, it, kind almost, of, yeah, it has that feel. It almost feels like a straight edge movie. And then I, I thought that you liked the weed. So I thought, man, Mike, I can't believe he likes this. I'd be offended if I was, a, <laughs> if I was a weedy and I'd finish this movie and go, Hey man, come on. <laughs> That's not what it's about, man. Yeah. Well, I think what it really is, is it's a movie that is cynical about a movie like dude, where's my car? Because yeah, it, yeah. it's basically what if you took dude, where's my car, but you pushed it so hard that by the end, it's like really kind of sad. Yeah. I saw, I saw someone describe it as like, his the Safdie brothers take on like uh, like a dude where's my car kind of movie where it's like it feels like an un- uncut gems or like a good time or something you know <laughs> yeah yeah it it's definitely dark. has that it's a like, dark take on it yeah yeah, 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 yeah like yeah. every every decision is just like the wrong one and it just keeps snowballing into like worse and worse conditions right yes i i would agree with that um so uh my whack was covid my on track was actually the day i watched gregor Aki movies because <laughs> while while i think smiley face might be my least favorite gregor Aki movie i still liked it actually it's just it just was less for me than some of the other ones of his but i still when it was over i was like okay i like that you know like it, it, I, i'm into it <laughs> how do you um, feel about how do you feel about the voiceover in that movie i feel like that's like such an interesting like that's a big part of it you know i agree i agree um but I couldn't decide if it was more than just a like a fun joke, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Actually, it, it felt like like five hundred days, like a, like a like a rom com or something. Like in five hundred days yeah. of summer, there's like the. the I've not the seen this movie, and the things you guys are saying is definitely blowing my mind. Like, what is this movie? <laughs> it's pretty unique. I feel. I don't know. It's, I, I agree. It's, it's worth a watch. I agree. It's one of those things where when it first started, I thought, man poor Anna Ferris, Like she's not a- being asked to do much in this, whatever. And by the time it was over, I thought Anna Ferris is really impressive in this movie actually. <laughs> Cause she has to do this shit for so long. Yeah. I don't know how she does it. And it's, I mean, the whole movie feels a bit caricature, but it's never because what she's doing is, is off kilter, you know, like mm. she sets a tone. The tone is not believable. It's not real, but right. she sets it. And then she keeps it the whole movie when she easily could have pushed it further than it needed to go. If that makes sense. Mm. So I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but uh, I do think it's worth a watch. Yeah. If, if you're someone for whom a very almost, I would almost say angry <laughs> weed movie sounds like a good time <laughs> it definitely it definitely feels i mean I, I, again i don't really know but it, it's like pretty it, you're like panicking half of the movie you're like with her yeah. through all of this yeah. through all of the different like decisions and stuff so i don't know it's definitely a little like edge of your seat stoner comedy i don't know if that makes any sense but that makes yeah. no sense at all but i'm all in it's also <laughs> the best selling i've heard for a movie in a while so nice. oh man you did it you did it guys well done well, okay, we'll circle back to Iraq, but I, 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 that day was good, uh, but overall COVID was awful. Uh, but like I said, the, the other thing it allowed for was we were in the house a bunch, so we were watching stuff kind of together, which means, um, Josh, you know, the last episode we talked about uh, my dad, the bounty hunter. We finished mm-hmm. that series. I thought it was, nice. it ended really well. Again, it's not for like full on adults, you know, like I would recommend Steven Universe to like actual adults you know like not just parents but like if you're an actual adult and you have any tolerance for animation 
give Steven Universe a chance. It's worth it's worth your time. Mm. My dad's bounty hunter. No, that's for kids. Uh, but <laughs> so much kid stuff is bullshit. That and this is not bullshit. So I liked it. I liked the way it wrapped up. I thought it does a really good job of like something like that can end in a way that's like. Uh, well, the main conflict is over now. Granted, there's no way we can go back to normal life after this, but we resolve the main conflict. So I guess the story is over and this show resolves the main conflict in the second to last episode and then spends a full episode dealing with all the dangling real life stuff at the end. I thought that was really smart actually for, for kids. Now, granted, it also uses that to like heighten the stakes in a way that I wasn't expecting. <clears throat> so the whole time it's like dealing with real life stuff, you know, like, okay, dad is a space bounty hunter that we didn't know. What does that mean for him and mom's relationship? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> th there's actual sort of stuff. And then they add in a zinger that actually, instead of it being real world conflict, it suddenly bumps it to another level, but it does deal with some real world conflict for a while, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? Like, I, I appreciated that. Um, but then after that, man, I'll tell you guys what, I could not find a new kid show to watch with Maeve. Like we just couldn't decide on anything. And then she, in her, she was still kind of sick, randomly chose this show called run for the money. Have you guys heard of this thing? I have not heard of it. No, this is a Japanese show. From what I can tell, it's a show that's existed for a while, but the, what's, learning Japanese, uh, no, but they, <laughs> they have a dub. I, I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but there's some shows on Netflix that are not English speaking shows. And the dub is so bad that you can just hear them. People talking underneath it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the, you hear voices doing the English, but underneath you can still hear the Japanese at the same time. It's oh. like that sort of dub, you know? Um, and the show is nothing but a glorified game of tag. Uh, there's only one season on Netflix, but if you watch it, you can tell that this is a show in Japan that's existed for a long time. And this is just the latest season of it. Uh, and it's basically like you get together a group of, I think like 30 or some B list celebrities. Like uh, there's actors and musicians, but there's also like TikTok influencers and YouTube people. You know what I mean? So it's like stand up comedians. You know, it's like a, it's a weird mixture of people who are somewhat well known and they're all in this amusement park. And then there are these other people who are like the quote unquote hunters and you have to like not get caught. It's just tag. Now there are different changes throughout the game where like you can turn people in for more money or you have to complete a mission or else there'll be more people trying to catch you, whatever it is. But it's, it's mostly for the most part glorified tech. And so when Maeve picked it out and started watching it, I thought, Oh, this fucking thing. Like I was so dismissive. Like this is just, this is no better than us watching YouTube. Right. By the end of the first episode, I'm fucking on board. I'm so goddamn sold on this thing. And there's only four episodes. At the end of four episodes, I was like, where's the rest of this fucking show? I want to watch every season of this goddamn thing. Like, there's, it's so stupid. Like, they really heighten the pressure. Like, there's, like you talk about voiceover. There's this voiceover that's so ridiculous. It's like, if they don't lower the balloon soon, they're going to add 100 more hunters. And like the whole thing, this whole game of tag, it takes three hours. 
but there are four episodes, each of which is an hour long. So if you're wondering about how much padding they do on the show, that you know they do an hour's worth, right? Because <laughs> they only filmed for three hours. So like, how is there enough for four episodes? But there is, and uh, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fucking fun, guys. I've that. I there's a whole <laughs> section where there are people who are traders who are using because everyone has their cell phones. That's how they get messages about the game, and so they use their cell phones to like turn in their fellow runners for more money. <laughs> it's so fucking good. And you don't know who they, who the traders are. And so you're trying to guess and everyone's trying to guess who the traders are. I was so fucking wrapped up. It's like, you know, Josh, you talked a little bit about sometimes there's stuff that you'll watch with Melani. That's just like mindless stuff that you don't really pay attention to for you. Like it just doesn't, mm. isn't whatever. This is like <clears throat> quality wise that, only I was actually paying attention to it. Like I was fully <laughs> wrapped up in it. You were like, oh, I'm here for this. Yeah. I'm like, fuck is <laughs> everyone thinks that so-and-so I'm not going to try to pronounce these Japanese names that so-and-so is the <laughs> traitor, but I know he's not. And like, oh man. Oh, and then there's a hunter and he's trying not to get caught. And I got to say all the hunters wear full suits. Like they wear black suits. These motherfuckers run fast for people in suits. Like, I don't know how they pull the shit off. There are, there are some fast motherfuckers. So, um, that was run. the other thing I got kind of, that was like my highlight of COVID time. And it's was called like, run, run for the money is the name run for the money. It's on okay. Netflix right now. Again, I think there are other seasons in Japan, but the one that's on Netflix is called run for the money battle Royale. And, uh, and it's, it's it, like I said, it's only four episodes, but okay. if you want to watch some folks be badly dubbed and run around and play tag that it's worth it. I really like had fun with it at one point the hunters parachute from a plane onto the fucking amusement park. Like how do you go wrong with that? That's, that's goddamn amazing. You know, <laughs> 100% fun right there. Yeah. 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 So anyways, um, that's it for me though. Like, obviously I haven't gone anywhere. Um, Oh, I totally forgot one more thing. Um, I watched a movie with Suze. It was again, fun COVID time. Granted, nothing's fun about COVID, but it's like, we're sick. We're just going to put on a whatever movie. We watched Confess Fletch, the recent John Hamm Fletch movie. Oh, the Fletch movie. How was yeah. it? Yeah. Yo. Okay. I get why people were skeptical of this thing. It's John Hamm redoing Fletch. Chevy I get Chase. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, really? This is what we're going to do? <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I, I went in kind of clean, didn't have any sort of preconceived notions or whatever. I thought it was pretty fucking good. Now, granted, it's not a great movie. It's definitely like a like a movie you might forget about later. But for how much fun it was, I was kind of confused that like nobody talked about it. Like it, it came and went for nothing. And the only reason I even thought to give it a chance is that our friend Dave White over at Linoleum Knife and his amazing husband, Alonso Duralde, they liked it. They didn't like endorse it. Like this movie's amazing, but they were like, Hey guys, this is exactly the kind of like low stakes, fun comedy that people don't wait, make anymore. There should be more movies like this. And I thought, okay, well that sounds cool. I'll watch it. I had a lot of fun with it. It was a good time. I was really actually surprised how much I liked it. So, um, I wouldn't say like, okay, everyone has to go out right now and watch Confess Fletch. But if you are looking for something to put on that like isn't going to ask a lot of you and it's just kind of fun and charming, I enjoyed that more than a lot of comedies I've seen recently. So Confess Fletch, I dug it. But that's it. That's all. That's all I got. Mostly I just was sick and trying not to, you know, uh, die of snot, you know, whatever. So Mike, what's going on with you, bud? 
Um, should I do some wax and some on tracks or just the wax for now? I mean, 100% do everything you got. If you got whack, okay. do that. If you got on track, do that. Okay. Right. Whatever awesome. you're feeling. All right, cool. Um, I'm trying to think uh, where to begin. I saw, I saw Scream 6 recently in theaters. Have either of you seen it? Yeah. Josh saw it. I did. Would you, would you give it a whack or an on track? I said it was on track. Okay. I went the opposite way. I thought I didn't, I thought okay. it was a little, I thought it was a little uh, like talking down to me. I felt like they thought I was stupid while I was watching it, which like, that's a little part and parcel of the screen movies maybe. But, um, I don't know. There were certain things that happened in the movie where I was just kind of like, wow, they really think I'm dumb. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't like it. I liked part five quite a bit. And I thought part six was just kind of flat. I felt like a lot of it revolved around, there's the scene uh, in the trailer where they're like on the subway. And that yeah. like is a pretty enticing scene. And it's like one of the better scenes that and like the, um, the scene in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they just kind of built the script around those two. And, and I don't know, unfortunately for me, it didn't really, didn't really deliver. I mean, like, that's the thing. I didn't really, I was never really invested in the screen movies. Like I saw sure. them all, but only recently. So I don't have like the whole like fun of like the time when it came out or whatever, you know, what I mean? or even yeah. being like an original fan or whatever. Uh-huh. But, um, it felt like it celebrated the entire canon by the time you get to the part six for me. That's fair. That's fair. I, I guess a lot of it relied on like, I don't know. I, th- I thought the script was not incredible and I didn't think many of the yeah. actors were excited to be in it, but like, a l- I don't really like a movie that relies on a big reveal or a twist or like a, who is it at the end? I, I can't really sit through like 90 to a hundred minutes of something that I'm not enjoying and then enjoy the last 10 minutes and feel like I walked away and enjoyed it. So I don't know. For me, it was not incredible. You know, I don't want to be enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, all good. <laughs> on the other hand, and on track would be the new Party Down season. Have, you, have either of you watched Party Down? I need to watch it. So I, I yeah, watched I the show before, but I haven't seen okay. the new season. Yeah, it, it just wrapped up and I thought they did it in like a pretty good way. So, that, you know, similar thing where it's like a long, you know, like either a, a long running franchise or bringing something back. But in my mind, it was one of those things that was not necessary to bring it back. So I was kind of on the, not that I was anti, but I didn't think they'd pull it off as well as they did. By the end, I was like fully, fully in. It's only six episodes. It's a pretty quick watch. Um, I would definitely recommend it. As someone with a party down tattoo. <laughs> I love that you have the tattoo. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, let me see what else we got. Um, how about, oh, how do you guys feel? Okay, so movie theater snacks. We went to a Regal, not an AMC, and I got red vines. And that is for, that's a whack for me all the way. It's not a Twizzler, man. It's you not a Twizzler. Saying? It's, yeah, it's so different. Line, it tastes like toothpaste. It's different, man. It's, it's <laughs> The chemistry's off. The chemistry is way off. Okay, look. This is something that I shouldn't have an opinion on as a diabetic. <laughs> I, don't eat, I don't eat candy enough to really justify having this opinion. But, uh, but uh, you know, Josh knows. I've been, on a, I've been on a kick lately where occasionally I have opinions and people get pissed at me. <laughs> and I am always surprised because they don't feel like hot takes. But here's my hot take. Twizzlers are bullshit. They've always been whoa, bullshit. Whoa. They're fucking terrible. No. When you eat them, it's it's th- that's literally the definition of, like, you've been conditioned to, like, bad things. There's <laughs> nothing about it that is good. So, like, being like, oh, it's not as good as Red Vines is like, hey, you know, I, I you know, uh. I know we all like uh, we all say that we like getting shot in the foot, but uh, I might prefer getting shot in the hand. You know, like fuck it, who cares? It's all of it's bad. Get out can of I, my face with that. Can I you ask the like last time you had? Then, huh? Yeah, can I ask the last time you had a red vine? Because they're considerably like if you don't like Twizzlers, red vines might be offensive to you. 
Yeah, I mean, waxy. Look, I I've never Horrible. I've never in my life understood why people like Twizzlers, and so it never occurred to me to then try the red vines instead. I'm sure I had them <laughs> when I was younger, like you know what I mean. Like there was a point when I you know I I, I didn't get diabetes till I was older. So like when I was a kid, all candy. Like I consumed it all. Like there was no yeah. candy I didn't eat. So I'm sure I had red vines, but like I don't remember ever thinking like, oh, red vines, that sounds sick. Like <laughs> that's not a thing I want to eat, man. Like I don't understand. There's so many other candies, especially in a fucking movie theater. And like yeah. now as a diabetic who doesn't eat candy, I'm in line. I'm waiting to get my whatever uh, popcorn maybe or hot dog more likely. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, look at all this candy. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I'm sure it's all amazing in some sense, but I don't think in whenever I've looked at that candy and kind of missed the days where I could just eat candy free for all, I never was like, oh man, look at that. Those fucking Twizzlers. That'd be amazing right now. Like, are you kidding me? Look at all this other candy. Why am I eating Twizzlers? So I hate myself. What's the deal? Twizzlers are like an old, an old standby for me, but like, I guess I assumed a red vine or like, you know, would be like similar to like a licorice whip or a Twizzler and it would be, be the same thing, but it's like a, it's like a totally different beast altogether. It's pretty, it, it's like waxy. Like Josh said, it tastes kind of, it has like some sort of minty flavor or something on there. I had yeah. one and threw it away. It was, it was borderline offensive for sure. <laughs> I mean, I could see that. Like I definitely am not defensive of a fucking red vine because I, I get the feeling that it's not what it's cracked up to be, but I just also don't, I know that like, I, again, the reason I'm so hard on the Twizzler is because so many people love it that I just, this is like, uh, we, we have friends, I, I'm sure, or you have friends and I, I could definitely talk about some people, but when people hate pickles or they hate avocados and the, you know what I mean? Like w- mm-hmm. when people hate things that so many other people fucking love, they get real saucy about it. That's me with the <laughs> Twizzlers guys. I don't know. I feel like this is a psyop. Everyone got together ahead of time to fuck with me. And they're like, <laughs> we're all going to pretend that we love Twizzlers just to fuck with Liam because I just, I don't understand it. I never have. And I never will understand the Twizzler love. Okay. Wow. Fair enough. Again, so I'm is, being crazy. I know I'm being crazy. No one has to email us and say Liam's like your being a of the fucking Truman show or something. <laughs> it's just it's I just don't get it. I don't get it. Okay. That's you know? fair. You're entitled to your opinion. Not but all Twizzlers- candies are for everybody, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, right? Like there are people who hate like uh candy corn, right? Sure, and other yeah. people love candy corn. I I'm unemotional about it, but you know, people have strong opinions about it. And I think that's sort of me with the Twizzlers is that like I just don't get it, you know, and it makes me frustrated. That's fair. <laughs> I think I think my least favorite of all of those conversations is like the sheets or Wawa or Turkey Hill or uh, Bucky's or whatever it is. I'm just kind of like, all right, they're all they're all I gas know. stations. Liam's <laughs> okay. pretty big okay. on this. Oh yeah, Mike, you're so you're so fucking you wrong. A bear, even, sir. I didn't even you, mean to start it, but you know you know why you're so wrong about this, Mike. Move to Chicago. All right. Okay. There is not a single acceptable convenience store in the entire Chicago area. There's They're all there. a crime. They're all a fucking <laughs> disaster. It's I, I don't get me wrong. I feel similarly about the argument, but I'm in the other direction. The fact that anyone has access to any of these places and has the fucking gall to complain, you know, I would, I would 
cut a finger off for them to build a sheets near my house for them to build a fucking quick check near my house. I would, <laughs> I would, I would give a tax. I would pay an extra tax for a quick check near my house. <laughs> State tax, quick check. The quick yeah. Check tax. Because like literally you, you, you make a joke about gas stations. I literally only have gas stations, Mike. Literal yeah. gas stations. Wow. There is nothing right. else. There is no place you, man. if you want a sandwich here, people go to Subway. <laughs> they go to fucking what? Subway. Nobody man. goes to Subway, Liam. Come uh, on, Josh, stupid. Subway is still the number one fast food in America after McDonald's. Whoa. So don't give me huh. that. No one goes to Subway Sweet. thing. I fucking, wish, Jesus. I fucking wish no one went to Subway. It's a nightmare. It's a <laughs> nightmare are, place. There are three Subways in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, the place where there's famously nothing. So, But there's a Sheets too. So, so you know, maybe I should appreciate what I Could have. you imagine being the person who's like, let's see, there's a Sheets and there's three Subways. I guess I'll go to Subway. Like, who is that person? Better build another subway so it's closer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know what I mean. Like, like yeah. where literally where I lived, there was a Seven Eleven, which was the one thing, and it sucked. Like there was no food. You know how like Seven Elevens in Philly have like T-shirts and vegan food and shit. This <laughs> didn't they, have. They that. have like this weird rolling meats. Oh yeah, they've got <laughs> no, um. They, yeah. No, here's the someone was calling them tornadoes or something or oh, twisters. Josh, or something like that. It's like Josh, a you've, finger. you've not been paying attention if you don't know they have vegan food there. Uh, friend of the show, Donnie Mutt. That's his favorite vegan brunch in Philadelphia. Is Seven Eleven. Seven Eleven. Yeah, it's joking, wow. but they do have vegan food at Seven Eleven, which I don't understand. Uh, this Seven Eleven did not have vegan food. They didn't even have pizza, <laughs> let alone hot dogs. Uh, and then they closed. Now they're empty. That's an empty building now. They don't even have a Seven Eleven there. Like I could even get a monster there if i wanted to you know they've just got nothing they said yeah. nothing is better than 7-eleven yeah, i guess so <laughs> now there is a spot there is a spot not too far from me that has installed one of those um crispy chicken johns you know oh, the crispy oh, crunchy yeah. chicken crispy yeah. crunchy john. gas station chicken yeah. is i played on yeah. a softball team a couple of years ago and we'd usually drink during the games or whatever and then you know the designated driver would drive us to get gas station chicken after the game and it was it was pretty delightful you know it's a good time man i mean I gotta it's say. it's it's no royal farms which again no, i would murder someone for a royal farms here <laughs> but uh but it's pretty good okay all right um, Sorry, I didn't mean to get jumped out your throat on that one, Mike. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. It's just it's so funny because I think you're right. When you have the options, when people get really intense about arguing about them, there has to right. be some part of you that goes, "You're arguing about like yeah convenience store food." <laughs> exactly. But I will say that like the only things I miss are convenience store food and pork roll. And that's True. about it that, you know, people obviously, but like, let's say everyone I knew in Philly moved to Chicago. The only things I would miss would be convenience store food and pork roll. Like everything else True. here is cool. Like it's like people who live here all the time. They're like, ah, oh, yeah. It's, what do you miss? I'm like, y'all just don't know what a convenience store is here. They're yeah. just like, look, there's cigarettes, there's liquor, there's, there's a couple of brands of soda. What else do you need? I'm like a lot. I need a lot more than that, man. Yeah. I need made to order food is what I need. <laughs> yeah. Coffee. And that doesn't make me want to end damn. my life. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Wawa coffee is not amazing, but you can drink it. Yeah. Most, it's functional. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. Most convenience stores here don't even have coffee, let alone functional coffee. Jesus. It's a crime. It's crime. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Go no, ahead. that's okay. Thanks, thanks for keeping me honest. Um, <laughs> I'll just do one more. I'll, I'll have another on track to balance it out. Um, I don't know if either of you. I mentioned it earlier, but like, I'm a big Brett Easton Ellis fan. He just released a new novel called The Shards, oh. uh, and it's kind of like a fictional version of his senior year of high school, 
Um, and it deals with like a serial killer coming to town and like a cult and stuff. And it's, I don't know, it's really, really good. Uh, I think I've liked every novel that he's ever written, but I don't know if either of you have opinions on the matter, but I would definitely recommend that one for sure. It was, it was pretty awesome. <coughs> I've actually not read anything by him. So. so he's got, you know, he's the American psycho guy, but he's yeah, got yeah. less than zero rules of attraction, glamour, Emma, um, some other stuff. In there. Read, yeah. I think I've read less than zero and something else. I don't think it was rules of attraction. I've never read American psycho, but I've talked about the differences between the movie and the book enough that I feel like I've read the book, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the book's got a lot more detail and some more deranged yeah. kind of fantasies and stuff, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things with the book that, Whatever. We don't want to talk about this. I was about to go to this whole rant and it's like, why am I ranting about a book I've never even read just because I like <laughs> this thing about the book that I think is cool, but I've never even read the book. That's stupid. Um, yeah. I don't know. I know that occasionally Brett Easton Ellis is one of those guys that says regrettable things in the media. So that kind yeah. of bumps me out a little bit. But <clears throat> he's definitely, uh, I mean, he's like a, a Beverly Hills born and raised silver spoon, rich kid. Yeah, kind of. So yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. The worlds he creates in, in his novels and stuff are very similar to like nowhere or like a Greg Araki, like eighties, nineties kind of thing. So I thought that that was kind of like an interesting parallel, but yeah, he does a whole book called like white. That's a nonfiction, like kind of like devil's advocate, a little bit of like anti woke take where it's like interesting to read his opinion, but everything's kind of like to be taken with a grain of salt. So I, you know, I don't know, mm. certainly not advocating for his opinions or anything, yeah, but I think yeah, he writes yeah, a totally, hell of a totally. novel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I need to, ch- I'll, I'll have to check it out because like I said, the stuff I've read is not a lot, but I've always liked it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'll have to think about that. Um, for sure. <laughs> uh, anything else, Mike? No, that's where I'll, I'll cap it there and then, and let, uh, and let Josh run with it. All right, Josh, what do you got? Uh, what do I got? I watched a little movie called the Super Mario Brothers movie the other day. Oh, wow. And um, it was so funny because like, <laughs> you know, like these press screeners normally like they let you go with a guest and all that stuff. And like for this one, they're like no guests. And uh, I was there with a friend of the show, Ryan Silverstein. I was like, man, they're really guarding the Super Mario Brothers movie with a with a tight fist. You know, and I thought it was like really weird. And then the movie goes and uh, it's it's just a cute movie. So I'm going to put okay. that in the on track Whoa. pile. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. again, it's like a carb, a lot of flavor, not much substance. And <laughs> I had a great time with it. So, awesome. yeah, I saw that. Um, I also saw a little movie. Me and Milani saw Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I've heard I'm so thieves. curious. I'm so curious. I mean, it's one <laughs> of those. It's it's a fun movie. It's a fun adventure movie that that stays jaunty the entire time. Can I ask like, a quick question? As two people oh, who are yeah. probably a li- you you people are probably you you're both probably a little more tapped in movie people than myself. But um, that movie seemed to have come out of nowhere. I heard nothing about it, and then once it was out, it was out, and I heard it's, it was all I saw for like days. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like I saw the trailer a million years ago. Okay. And the thing about it was that the people I saw talking about it were all people who were old school D&D people. And a Mm. lot of them were like, yo, fuck this shit. Like they just assumed it was going to suck. Right. Uh, But now that it's out, I've heard a real mixed response. I think a lot of people who thought it was going to suck actually kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of other people didn't hate the movie, but they thought it was so kind of down the middle Hollywood that they just were bummed on that, even though they wouldn't necessarily say it was bad, but like 
if you see the trailer, nothing about the trailer says we're really pushing the envelope here. Like it, it looks like what I assume it is, which is like a very yeah, a, sort of palatable, fun Hollywood. Yeah. Movie. It's 100%. Yeah. yeah well, go ahead. Sorry. It's a big CGI thing and it's just a paint by numbers adventure movie for sure. Right. Yes. You yes, know, yes. but uh, I, there's a lot of practical effects in it though, which, you know, I like that. I, yeah, I can, yeah. I can yeah. get on board cool. with that. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was super fun. I definitely wanted to go in and be a hater on it, but then it was just also <laughs> like, eh, you know what though? Let's just see what this is about. And we had a great time. Here, nice. Here's, here's the thing. I will say that there was an interview I saw with some of the actors who were in the movie and mm-hmm. they specifically name checked dimension 20 and, uh, and, uh, Brent, uh, you know, Brennan Lee Mulligan yeah. and you know, my obsession with Brennan. So I do. when, when I heard them do that, I thought, well, now I'm going to see the movie because <laughs> I just loved, you know, I love dimension 20. They also mentioned critical role, but I care less about that. And then they even, one of the actors even mentioned game changer. He was like, Oh, so do you awesome. watch? He goes, do you watch game changer? And the other actor goes, I've seen the clips on YouTube, but I've never watched the show. And he goes, I fucking love it, man. It's great. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. I'm into that. You know? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, do you so, have dropout? Are you are you on that, Mike? No, I don't. No, bro. Uh, I recommend checking it out. Dropout. It's like dropout? it's like fifty bucks for the uh, year. Liam, you yeah. I think you explained this to me. Maybe in Chicago when I was there. You were explaining. I think, so. I think, I think so. yeah. I think you were telling me about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're me and Josh are both into it. I okay. uh, Josh, I I know that you are still catching up on the game changer, but uh, they just started their second uh year of doing survivor at the end of the season uh and this one is an even larger version of survivor and i'm i'm pretty fucking excited about it i'm pretty fucking excited about it it's it's crazy it's crazy and what's funny is i don't even like real survivor and this is just pretend (laughs) silly survivor and i'm so about it you know funsy survivor yeah yeah, yeah, yeah mike what were you saying you're asking a question Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah, overall, you you did like Dungeons and Dragons, though. You you like you thought it was a pretty good time, like worth worth checking out. It was a good time. I mean, like again, it's a kind of a mindless action fun. You know, there's a there is one scene at the so at the end, like when all the stuff is happening, they're in like a maze, you know, and uh, a cage catches a bunch of other people that are in this like game situation. <laughs> yeah. And it was like the cartoon characters from the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. So it was like the dude with the green robe with the magic hat and like the dude yeah, who had like yeah. it was so like it was such a weirdly specific pull <laughs> and it was like me and one other like 45 year old nerd were like whoa, 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 look at that and like freaked out but yeah <laughs> it was a good time man 100% on track cool there you go cool. and that's cool. all I got all right. Well, that's pretty good. Uh, that means we didn't take up too much time and we still have plenty of time to talk about nowhere. A truly crazy sort of, <laughs> at a, you know, uh, 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 surprise of a movie. I think both me and Josh are pretty surprised about it, but yeah, uh, we're going to take a quick break. Oh, someone's got Sorry. their bikes yeah. racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll, be, uh, they'll be over my way in about 30 seconds, I would say. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about, oh, what year did Nowhere come out? I should have looked that up already. I think it's 97. Yeah. 1997's Nowhere. After the break.
we're back, and we're talking about 1997's Nowhere by Greg Araki. Indeed. Mike, <laughs> talk to us about how, when you first saw this movie, and you yeah. already said a little bit about this, is you discovered this post-seeing Smiley Face, which I think is very yeah. funny. Uh, but, you know, when you first saw it, your relationship with it, and, you know, subsequently with Greg Araki's other movies mm-hmm. and sort of like wh- why this is something you wanted to bring to us to talk about. Yeah. It's probably the most unique movie I've ever seen. It's like such a style. I feel like the set design is like so good. The script and all, like, he's got his kind of like recurring cast of characters. I feel like, uh, um, James Duvall, like the main, yeah. the main guy in this one, I feel like he's worked with him on, on most of his movies. Um, but yeah, the first time I saw it was probably about two years ago. It kind of came across my radar and it was streaming free on YouTube. And I was like, yeah, it's 80 minutes. Sure. And I was just like hook, line and sinker into it. I think I've watched it like three or four times since then. I've recommended it to people and it doesn't ever seem to connect with people the way that it did with me. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it definitely like led me down the path to check out. I think this is part of uh, what he called like the teenage apocalypse trilogy or that something along correct. those lines. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, a, I think there's another movie called like totally fucked up and, and like another, another one of those. I don't know. I forget exactly which ones, but um, yeah, he's, he's got such like, a, I don't know this, like I, you guys have definitely noticed the script is like total MTV mumbo jumbo. Like, yeah. Like, like weirdly colorful. Stilted. Yeah. Um, I think he even had like an MTV pilot at one point. Have you guys heard anything about that? This is no. how the world ends. Yeah, this is yeah. how the world ends. Yeah. It's I think 44 that was minutes. It was, it was meant to be a pilot for a show. According yeah. to letterbox, it says, uh, for a series that was to be presented to be about a group of sexually active teenagers in Los yeah. Angeles. There you go. I mean, <laughs> that's, I feel like that's like the plot. You could say that for almost all of his movies, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I forget what all the questions were basically, but yeah, for some reason this movie like struck a chord with me. I love the simple title nowhere. I feel like given the soundtrack, it has to be a reference to like the ride record from around that time. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like the the little world they all live in, the crazy, like, everything about it is kind of surreal, and I, I don't know. Yeah, it really, like, grabbed my attention right away. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'm, I'm curious. Did you guys, neither of you had seen it before? No. I no, never. It. Wow. In fact, okay. this is, so here's the thing with me and uh, Greg Araki. Um, I just knew The Doom Generation, and okay. it was a movie that I liked. But I wasn't like that into. And then mm-hmm. um, again, second reference. I, I, I think, I think actually, first Adriana brought uh, Greg Araki up to me. But they were also talking about the Living End on um, linoleum knife. So it was kind of on my brain. And yeah. then a while ago, we did a th- we were doing a feature for Cinepunks where people would recommend a movie, and someone else who had never seen it would watch it and write about it. It, yeah. it was, it was a, a whole series of, of articles. And so a uh, friend of the show, Justin Harlan of all people wrote about, um, it wasn't the, li- I don't think it was the living end. It might've been the living end. I don't remember which one it was, but it was a Gregor Rocky movie. He wrote about mm-hmm. the, and, the doom uh, generation or like, it wasn't doom generation, but it was, it, it was okay. It, it, yeah. it might've been living end actually. I don't know. Anyways. Okay. So he, he wrote about a Gregor Rocky movie and just fucking, loved it and yeah. that sort of got me interested in like oh you know what i'll give the living end a chance it's on criterion um i've heard you know alonzo sort of talked about it as um not just the beginning of new queer cinema but also like a very angry movie of its time mm. and it's something i've been thinking about a lot lately like mm, 
it, it was weird to me, and I don't know if you guys noticed this. It was weird to me during the pandemic, right? The way that people talked about the pandemic was like people kind of forgot that AIDS happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I just think mm-hmm. uh, there's a certain generation of people and not that there aren't people our, I'm saying our very loosely because I'm like a decade older than you, Mike. But, <laughs> well, we, uh, we talked but, about that. Yeah. But yeah. Our generation. <laughs> Everyone's our age. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People our age in a general <laughs> sense who also somehow just forgot or at least don't really think about that AIDS happened. And it's like, yo, like not only was there a global pandemic, but our government basically ignored it. And yeah. we're just like, hopefully this will get rid of gay people and we don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> like literally that was the policy it was like, yeah. that's mm. how we're going to handle this thing. Right. Uh, and, 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 and like, how, how could you be a person that's in that, in that like marginalized group and not be angry about it, you know? And like, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. But, he, and it wasn't just like, I don't have the, I, because I am, as you know, very uh, uh, a cishet man, I don't feel like I'm point. I'm going to point the finger at any young gay people and be like, "Why don't you remember AIDS?" Like that's <laughs> less important to me. But just the way we were talking about the pandemic and like, man, it's crazy how the government is abandoning us. And I'm like, is it crazy though? Like, uh, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a pretty long history of this sort of fucking thing. Like, what are we talking about? And so yeah. it was just sort of like that became a thing for me. And I think that it was part of the reason I was like, I'm going to watch the living end. Cause I know it's related to that. And I kind of knew what it was about, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. And like, uh, uh, I, pr- I'm pretty sure I've seen white bird in a blizzard, which is a more recent Gregor Rocky movie. Yeah. And well, I remember I think thinking like- it was pretty bad. Like I don't remember liking it very much. Yeah. So- I feel like he adapted that one from a novel or from a screenplay. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah. definitely not like a written, directed, edited, concept like that whole thing you know I, I feel like it's it's something that he took and ran with you know mm-hmm. so when you brought this up material. i was very much like oh shit this is something that's a big hole in my sort of you know uh things i've watched knowledge yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly uh well, you, you Josh, guys, you, go ahead Mike. Okay. sorry well no i was just gonna, I, I feel like you guys maybe have a little more of like a an awareness of greg rocky like i didn't know really anything about him Besides Smiley Face, which I barely knew, that's it's like such a different style than than yeah. Gregoraki. That like everything yeah. I've watched since then, um, I feel like he really like set the tone. I saw, you know, I was a little, I was like eight years old in '97 when this came out. So like when I think of MTV, that's kind of what I think of is like that style. But he yeah. like yeah. he popular. I feel like everybody kind of like used his style as the template and ran with it. You know? Yeah, I think I that if- might be fair, jo- Josh. What do you think? Like you watch this. I don't know if, have you seen other Greg Araki movies and how did this sort of strike you as someone who was very like by 97, you were in college, right? So you like, you were very aware of this time period. How did this movie sort of hit you watching it now? Well, it's funny. My only other experience with Greg Araki was the living end and uh, doom generation. And uh, both of those movies are challenging in ways that I, um, when I saw them, I don't think I was prepared to like analyze, you know, like the way yeah. you do now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, my, I was like, oh man, I don't know. It's like kind of weird, but I, it always looked cool. And then watching nowhere for this episode, it just, it didn't bring me back to that moment of confusion. It brought me back to that moment of like wonder, like, holy shit, this is a wild movie. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, just like immediately just, captivating, you know, whether, whether yeah. you're like looking for deeper meaning in it or just looking at it and being like, whoa, this is so singular. I don't know whatever you want to call it. Singular is a good word. It's like I couldn't even really suss out like a narrative. You know what I mean? Like it's one <laughs> of those movies. that's like it's it's very like almost like a Jodorowsky movie in that way. Right. Like where it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, 
you know what? I think I don't know that I would go with Jodorowsky. You know what I'd go with? It reminds me of, though it has a lot more cohesion than this. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminded me of Slacker in that yeah. it's it's okay. about a lot of different people who are all connected, but it's not about like, yeah, they're all connected and there's one story they're all telling. It doesn't really feel that way at all. Like no. all these people are connected through going to school together, but they all have their own sort of experience in this world. And the variety of their experiences allows for something that I think is sort of a, a, a key mark of at least of the movies I've watched of his so far, which is like intense tonal shifts. Like this mm. is a movie that at times has elements that are almost um i wouldn't say slapstick but they're silly right there there are very silly moments yeah like but silly then the, rom-com moments but then right. they're like but the like sexual insane. assault in this movie is like yeah. very serious Ugh. very yeah. intense and leads to uh a moment that is like just as intense even if it's played in like an unexpected way and, and right. adds, you know, and, and, and adds a, an element of seriousness to a, a part that could be only be silly. Right. The teen party mm-hmm. is like the essence of, of bullshit filmmaking, right? Like or, or all the teens are at a party. And then when that, when what's his name, the, uh, the, the, uh, what, James Duvall? No, uh, Khan, you know, Scott the young Khan. Yeah, yeah. When he, he finds definitely? out about the death of his sister, <laughs> yeah. suddenly that becomes serious, right? There's yeah. nothing less serious than the teen party. And then suddenly it's serious, like yeah. unbelievable. Well, well, like for example, the whole movie is like tinged in like sex and violence and like yes. teenage feelings and everything's so blown out of proportion, like not Beverly Hills 90210 or something. But then in the middle, there's just like unexplained, they're playing kick the can on ecstasy for no reason. Like, you know, it's just like this weird little relief, like comic relief in the middle of something that's like, I don't know. Everything is so stylized that it's hard to parse out like, you know, what is supposed to be serious and what is supposed to be funny and what is supposed to be heavy. Like it's all kind of happening at once, which is really interesting. It's uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like you said, it's it's kind of like little vignettes of different characters all throughout the movie. Each scene is like a different thing, but then tonally it's all the same. They're all kind of these like vapid kind of like spoiled rich, like rich kids who is, I don't know, they all kind of like have a death wish almost. But yeah. one of the things it does that I think is very worth mentioning in my mind, at least, is that, you know, this is 1997. Mm-hmm. Um Mike, you were, as you said, you were eight years old. Yeah. I was a senior in high school. Josh was in college. Me and Josh can tell you, um, this movie's casual attitude towards sexuality, and by that I specifically mean queerness, uh, is not representative of a lot of people's experience in 1997. No. And yeah. the fact that the movie just does that, like, oh, so-and-so, he's he's fucking him or he's fucking her. Who knows? <laughs> right. That, like... That actually had to be incredibly unexpected for people, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it, yeah. Again, not that everything about this movie include in entices its audience to take it seriously, mm-hmm. but if you are taking it seriously, that's like upfront. Like, this movie is incredibly bisexual. It is unafraid to be bisexual yeah. and we're just going to put that out there that like our main character is obsessed with this girl who is actually with this other girl but maybe he likes this other boy right. uh, and then there's also this insertion of utter ridiculousness right with the alien subplot you know <laughs> yeah, um, God, like the, yeah. the lizard with the ray gun and you yeah know, like just all showing yeah. up at the party incredible <laughs> yeah but but it is funny too that like you know there's still so like a 1997 like you know uh 
proper ideal where like at one point the main character is like, maybe I'm just old fashioned, but I really just want to be with this one girl that I really like. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, he's like lying in bed with another guy or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So like, uh, we've said it a little bit, but just in case there are people listening who really have no idea what this is or even with Greg Araki, right? Like, um, it looks like looking at his filmography, Greg Araki did two movies that maybe were more like independent films before uh the living end you know a movie mm-hmm. called three bewildered people in the night uh and a movie called the long weekend oh despair which by the way what a fucking great title the long <laughs> yeah. weekend parentheses oh despair like so, oh shit you know so, so when i oh sorry i was gonna say so when i watched this movie i watched pretty much everything i could find on youtube about it there's like you know, like a, like a Q and a with the cast all getting back together many years later at like a college or something. And he, I think he says that he genuinely thinks this is his most approachable movie, which is hilarious because everyone else was like, are you kidding me? There's like, you know, it's the craziest movie. Um, but he does, he talks about like a student film of his, I think one of those may be like a, a student, student film, film. Yeah, a student that makes film sense. that was like lost to time that may have just recently seen the light of day or something. So I don't know if, the, if it's long weekend, Oh, despair or, or the other one, but, uh, but yeah. But wow. so, so, and then, um, his first kind of like big, like it played at festivals and shit movie was a living end. And for people who haven't seen it, you know, it is a movie where, um, two HIV positive men go on a crime spree, which is in many ways a murder spree. Uh, and it is so, it, it is somehow both funny and charming and one of the angriest movies I've yeah. ever seen. Uh, and I love that. It's a fucking amazing movie, you know? Uh, and then, um, so that sort of established him really as, um, maybe the first voice and what people started to call new queer cinema, which again, uh, to be clear, that doesn't mean that there weren't queer filmmakers prior to that, but this became sort of like, uh, I don't know, genre category or movement of filmmaking. I don't know how you want to conceive of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, Mm -hmm. then, uh, he did totally fucked up doom generation, which I think people are, have mixed opinions on, but I think it's one of the movies that a lot of normal folks saw, you know, like it had a lot of impact into the general culture. Uh, and then nowhere was the movie he made right after doom generation. So to me, that's a statement, right? Doom generation had a, a pretty broad cultural attention, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a film fest movie. Mm-hmm. And so then to follow it up with this movie, which plays like, it's funny that he then later did this pilot for MTV. This feels like a long episode of a TV show. Only it pushes every envelope in a way that you could never do on TV yeah. then or now, really, even with all the fucked up stuff that's, in TV now, this, this movie really like, not that it pushes the boundaries of taste, but it does push the limits of sort of what people expect, especially in a narrative about teenagers. Um, and it has quite honestly, this is something we haven't really said yet. One of the most stacked casts of anything I've ever watched in my fucking, like so many people in this movie. It's unbelievable. Just every other person. It's kind yeah. of amazing the movie even got made because I feel like to to rally all of those people who were seemingly like kind of in their prime at that time and then like right. 
I think yeah. the same thing with the soundtrack. I think the soundtrack has like every band you would, we would expect at that time. Yeah. Um, Catherine wheels on there. Catherine, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So like, uh, slow dive. Yeah. Slow uh, dive. Three eleven. Radiohead, massive attack. Like it's everything, you know? <laughs> I mean, um, he has a pretty great, uh, 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 musical pedigree, right? Yeah. Like Josh, He's Mr. Shoegaze, Josh, yeah. when you make time to watch mysterious skin, which, you will only want to do because Mike, you know, this, one of the slogans of this podcast is the movies we love often do not love us back. Uh, uh, that is a yeah. perfect description of mysterious skin and mysterious skin features that Remember, there was that first Seeger Ross song that yeah, was oh, yeah. like released as like a demo that's in the movie at a yeah. moment where, I was pretty sure it was going to break my heart. Like the Seeger Ross oh, song kicks in and I thought, yeah, oh, I, I guess I um, <laughs> guess I'm just going to like accept COVID as, as my future and I'm just going <laughs> to die now in, in this bed. Like, cause it was so emotional. Oh. And it, there's also like slow dive and other songs that you'll recognize on the soundtrack. Mm. But that Seeger Ross song made me go, okay, Josh needs to watch this movie. Yeah. Even though when it's over, you're going to be like, God damn it. Why did Liam tell me to watch this movie? Cause it's hundred percent though. But every time this happens, I watch it. And I'm like, oh, it hurts so bad, you know? But, yeah, like, so just to give folks an idea, Rachel True is in this movie. Um, Debbie True. Mazar is in this movie. Yes. James Duvall. Scott Christina Khan. Applegate. Yeah, uh, Guillermo Diaz, who took me so long to figure out why he was so familiar. And then when half I looked up, baked. I was like, oh. Rachel yeah, True yeah, and, and Guillermo, half-baked. Yeah, 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 both in half baked. Yeah. Uh, Heather Graham, Ryan Felipe. Ryan Felipe. Denise yeah. Richards. Yeah, Denise Richards, Scott Kahn, uh Beverly D'Angelo. Uh hold on. <laughs> did you did you notice uh do you guys remember Juji Fruit, the man having the party? Do you know did you recognize who that one was? No, oh, yeah, that would be Gibby. <laughs> oh, Gibby uh, Hanson, Gibby the Hames. butthole surfers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elani clocked it right away. Yeah. Right away, yeah. Uh, Tracy Lord, Shannon Doherty, and Rose McGowan in one of the most psychotic <laughs> scenes of the movie. So They're yeah, waiting for the bus. And I was like, only Greg Araki would be like, all right, let's put these three together yeah. as friends. You <laughs> and know I think they're mean? just tagged as like Valley Girl 1, Valley Girl 2. Like, yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Uh, um, Josh Ritter. Uh, it's it's just oh, unbelievable collection. That's the interesting part is like the he has two of the people from the Brady Bunch as like the parents. And he has yeah. like yes. uh, Three's Company. He's got John Ritter in it. Yeah, it's just like he's clearly making a statement about like, you know, good old fashioned values on TV and stuff like that versus like what's actually going on. I got to acknowledge something though, you guys. And I think it's important to a discussion that you were having earlier. Cause it's about scream. Uh, because <laughs> recently on horror business, I was saying how the general tone of scream still rubs me the wrong way. Just the dialogue okay. as someone who was alive at the time, I watch that movie and I think, all these people are terrible. Why are they talking like this? I hate this. I wish this right. was different. Here's the thing. <laughs> this movie is the exact same thing, but I think that that backs up my point because um, scream is not a heightened caricature of the real world, right? It's a hard, exactly. it feels more grounded in reality or something. And this right. is like, this allows it to be this kind of like zany, like, yeah, almost the theory yeah. thing. Yeah, and so the, exactly, the, yeah. the fact that I would say the dialogue in Scream and the dialogue in this movie are not that different from each other is not an endorsement of the dialogue in Scream, <laughs> even though it is an endorsement of this movie, which I think the the level that this is played at is meant to be both. I mean, there is something represented here that is not far off from how kids are. 
right? Like there is something here that you're like, okay, I see what this is representing, Mm -hmm. but it is also, like I said, I've been using the word caricature maybe poorly, but I do think that's not an unfair description because it's like taking something that is kind of real and then exaggerating it into this thing that is ridiculous and funny but like still feels like it's saying something not yeah, in a well, message yeah. way, but it has a perspective. Well, they've all got, they've all got their kind of like disaffected like language where they're like, right. you know, this, this party is worse than an ingrown butt hair, like whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, get, you get the sentiment, even though they're being kind of like tongue in cheek and using like a catchphrase or something. But um, yeah, it's, it's again, I feel like I keep saying how, how like stylized it is. Like, I feel like Greg Araki is really like wrapped up in the importance of like aesthetics. I feel like even just in the opening and closing credits, he really like, dr- like drives that home too. just how it's, you know, it's moving the, and like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's moving. It's, it's the soundtrack. It's the dialogue. It's everything. It's just like, everything is so uniquely him. Yeah, that is, that's what I'm saying. And I think there are still a few more movies, obviously I need to watch. Right. Especially mm-hmm. between this movie and mysterious skin. There's well, one of them, my parents, a TV pilot, but there's at least like three movies in there that I want to catch. And then I think I will try to watch some of his post mysterious skin movies just to like, you know, get a feeling, but like, I think um, he's due for one at this point, huh? He's, he's, yeah. He's yeah. been quiet. Is he yeah. still making movies? Um, I think he did an episode of TV. Excuse me. Oh, he did <coughs> like an episode, I think he did an episode of, of, uh, yeah, he ahead. did, he did an episode of Dahmer. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Got something in my throat. <laughs> yeah. He did an episode of Dahmer. He did. I mean, this is not IMDb. This is letterbox. So it's a limited selection, but based on letterbox, he did an episode of Dahmer. He did, uh, uh, what is this? Oh, this is a special feature on strand releasing. Uh, the last like movie movie he did was in 20. No, this is a short film. He did a short film in 2015, six minutes. The last movie he did full was, length was white a, bird in a blizzard. White, yeah. Hmm. Which again, I did not like a lot, but again, yeah. I, I didn't know when I watched it, I didn't know it was him. Right. It wasn't like, mm. Oh, I'm watching a, Greg Araki Greg movie. Right. It was just like, Oh, watch this. Oh, didn't like that very much. You know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. it is interesting to me though. Like we should acknowledge like uh smiley face. It was 2007 mysterious skin. is 2004. Uh, three years is not a long time between movies, but the tone of those movies is so incredibly different that I do wonder now, as we were talking about earlier, Mike, if smiley face was very much like, Oh, a, a resetting for him. Like yeah, kind Mysterious of like a reaction Skin is to- so serious compared to his other movies. Even, even compared to the living end, it's so serious, you know? Well, I do feel like even, I think he wanted to make that TV pilot as a way to be like, all right, I've made several films a, a lot covering the same subject matter, a lot with the same tone. Like I want to try something else. It didn't get picked up, unfortunately. Um, and then like, maybe he was just, you know, onto something else. Like I, I need to try something else. I need to like break out of my comfort zone a little bit is what it seems like to me, but you know, I can't say for sure. I don't know. All, all I know is uh, just looking at this run and this is even admitting that I think doom generation is maybe because it is the most accessible. Well, he said nowhere is the most accessible. I don't know if that's true, but to me, doom <laughs> generation is the most accessible. I think uh, he thought it was, I think when, when he was pitching yeah. it to everybody and shooting it, they were all like, 
I don't know if I agree, but you know, hats off to you, Greg. <laughs> so, but but even saying that Doom Generation is not my favorite per se, the run from the Living End to Smiley Face is pretty good. That's a pretty good yeah. fucking run. Yeah. Um, and even the ones Horrific. I haven't seen yet, I'm kind of stoked to check them out. But yeah. I do wish he would do something again. I just I wonder if you know. I I mean, I certainly think a movie like Nowhere. That's not, he can't do that, right? Like, that's not a, you can't reproduce that fucking alchemy. That's not a thing, you know? So of its time, there's no way. And I think it was such a, it was such like a time and place kind of thing where, you know, he was like an up and coming indie director. You know, I hate to call him an indie director, but he was an absolutely an independent director. I think like a lot of the people on set were kind of living this little life that the movie creates, or I think they were all kind of like hooking up on set. They all loved working with them, blah, blah, blah. Like, the fact that the movie takes place, it's 80 minutes. It takes place over an entire day. The whole, like everything about the shoot apparently was like pretty surreal and and felt kind of like it did on set. So, you know, that's such, I don't know, like you said, it would be impossible to recreate something like that, especially 30 years after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sense in which thinking about all three of the movies that I watched, plus the ones I watched before now. So that's five of his movies I've seen. There is a simmering anger to all of these movies. Like nowhere is to me in a lot of ways, a funny teen movie. Right. Mm. But it's take on so many things is dark in a way that speaks to a frustration with the world. Like there is an anger sort of under the surface. And I think that kind of comes out in the very intense sort of sexual assault aspect Mm. of the movie, Mm. but even the like uh, teen suicide aspect of the movie, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a feeling that like not everything that is lampooned in this film is fucking funny. And I think like, that's good. Like, I think that's part of it. And it makes me then think back on what we were talking about. Mike with smiley face. Mm -hmm you could watch smiley face and it's over and you think like, well, that's a movie unlike his other movies where he is not angry about anything. It's just a pop movie. I don't know, man. I think maybe <laughs> he's bad in that movie too. Like, I think there's a underlying thing. Cause that just like, just because it's so unrelenting yeah. in the way it depicts a sort of humor that's played only for laughs in other versions of that kind of movie that by the end, I kind of thought like, does he fucking hate pot movies? And now (laughs) I'm thinking about it going, I don't know if that's the issue, but there's something he's mad about even in smiley face. And I wonder if the issue with the bird in the snow movie was that I don't know that that just feels like work for hire. I don't think he was mad about anything. I think you're probably right. Yeah. That he didn't really get to put his own stamp on it. Um, I think you're right that in both nowhere and smiley face, there's like a whole, like everybody in all of the movies are just kind of blase, like laissez faire. No one really has anything that they, they don't care about anything that's happening. But then when you look at it overall, there's like, like you said, there's like, crazy things happening all throughout that like would be shocking to anyone. And then when, you know, he finds about, finds out about his sister dying or whatever, and he like jumps into the pool and like at this radical act. So like, it's like they're being shaken awake or something, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know, Josh, what do you think? This is a, uh, you, you did not do the uh, Greg Araki marathon that I did, but uh, <laughs> I, I liked how you described this movie kind of hit you as like a, a note of inspiration, you know, what, it, yeah. what does this sort of make you want to think about in relationship to like other movies you like or, or even being a child of the nineties, you know? 
yeah, it's like a weird nineties moment of camp almost. Right. Yeah, sure. You know sure, what I mean? sure. Like it's like just the stilted dialogue and just the the color palette of this movie is so wild. It's so how it changes. Crazy. Yeah, right? Like from scene to scene almost. Like everything looks like a rock video from the nineties. Yeah. There's like walls of TVs with static. And then there's like yes. Rachel true on the phone with like the polka dots on her wall, matching the polka dots on her shirt. And then they're at the party at the end. And there's like this super surreal, like crazy colors and lights and stuff. Yeah. Everything is so, so made for the movie. It's perfect. It's yeah. It's, uh, it's such a joy. <laughs> I loved it. I'd never seen this movie before and I love this movie. I thought it was yeah, awesome. I'm- I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. It, it like, I, I, again, when I saw it, it really like, I wanted to watch it again immediately. I was just like, Oh my God, that was awesome. Um, how do you guys feel about the character names? Do you, do you guys have a favorite character name? Like I can read dark. a few oh for you gosh. if you'd like. Yeah. There, there's dark zero hand job, Juji fruit, Lucifer, dingbat, ducky, cowboy, Elvis, puke boy, <laughs> surf, ski, egg, whatever. And then the Atari gang who steals, uh, Steals the young brother's car with the swords. Yeah, like so ridiculous. It's, it's like surrealist camp. Surrealist camp is kind of a great way of putting it. Yeah, but it's. It, right. Do you agree that it's like almost an impossible? Like I feel like people listening to this episode without watching it would have no idea what anything we just like. It, all the words we just said can't mean anything to them. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's not really like. I mean, there's no real accurate way to like describe it though, right? Like it's, it's fully such a unique. weird nebulous thing. Yeah. Ah, oh, it's such. Again, a joy to be held. I love this movie. <laughs> I'm glad you got. Yeah, I'm glad you guys liked. It. I'm glad you first off didn't hate it, and that you were more on the <laughs> on the positive scale than, than the negative. Yeah, it's definitely more than didn't hate it, Mike. It's well, and 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 the thing is, is that we whether we had sort of uh, verbalized this or not, I think we wanted to do more uh, Gregor Aki stuff because I knew that both yeah. me and Josh had seen The Living End and thought it was a pretty intense movie, but I hadn't mm. tried anything else really. And I knew, okay, there's a living end. There's doom generation. That can't be it. Right. Like that's, right. it's someone that we know of more is going on there. And, um, you know, maybe Josh will do an episode long after this, uh, just about <laughs> mysterious skin, because I think that's a, that's a difficult conversation. Uh, that that'll take some time, but, uh, yeah, but I still have to see it. I got to see it. It's yeah, worth definitely. seeing, but I mean, I can't imagine. I definitely need some time before I watch it again. If I watch it again, you know, it's one of those <laughs> brutal. Yeah. It's, not, it's not an easy watch. It's not an easy watch. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it is, I think that's his, maybe his best performance, which is saying more, I think, than people realize because he yeah, doesn't get the respect great. anymore that I think he should. But mm-hmm. certainly at that time, he was really showing that he could do a lot and he's fucking amazing in that. So yeah. anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know how much more there is to say about nowhere other than like, you know, it is, it is a film in which, uh, I feel like it's a funhouse mirror of maybe not how teens actually were, but certainly <laughs> of how culture was like how we thought the world would be. And it's actually oh. kind of, it's kind of funny now, like, in 2023, it's kind of funny to look back at this and be like, some of the anxieties of what media was and what teen culture was, like, are a million times worse now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, just actually, this feels 
this would feel quaint to some young people, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. But in other ways it is, it is not that it's still very sharp. And I'm kind of amazed that with all this nostalgia, I feel for what it's portraying that there's still a sharp edge to it. It doesn't feel yeah. dull at all. You know? Yeah. Well, I wonder if there's a little bit of like a drop off for people like, you know, I feel like, um, I don't want to say I'm the last one that would understand this movie, but like for a generation of like Gen Z, I, I don't know that this, that this would connect with them as much, not living through any of, like you said, the, the culture of the nineties, this is kind of what it was depicted as on TV. And then he kind of satirizes it a little bit. Um, people that haven't really like lived through that. I wonder if it would connect with them as much, you know? I mean, there is though, I look, I actually think if you're going to walk around here dressing like a, like a, like a, a fucking refugee from a skate park in 1995, <laughs> then you have like to watch this. Yeah. Then yeah. you have to watch this show. This is mandatory yeah. watching. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It is fun. I think one of you mentioned it earlier too. Like it, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like a challenging watch maybe for some people, but the payoff for me was like. Oh, this isn't challenging at all. This is like right up my alley, but I can understand it's one of those things where you maybe like roll the dice and take a gamble on something you're totally unfamiliar with. And then just like, again, it it totally changed my brain. It was awesome. I I do think like if you're looking for a movie to put on at a party, you better have the right fucking group of people to put this fucking (laughs) thing on because I think it it is, if, if anything, it's hard just in its tone. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a little impenetrable. And if you're not willing to engage with it, maybe you'll find it to, I don't know, over the top a little bit, or, or I I, I don't know what, how to describe it, but there's something where you have to be able to give it your attention to catch the vibe, to really Mm -hmm. understand like what's happening and to get like it, but also be like charmed by it. Like I'm kind of describing it as, uh, as having a certain kind of like a harshness to it, which I think is fair, you know, like you, mm-hmm. like you said, like with the ingrown butt hair comments and things <laughs> yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like those little comments. Yeah. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, it's also incredibly charming. Like it's not just darkness. It's not just whatever. It's funny. And it's fun. It's, it's somehow funny and fun while also having some really fucking upsetting moments. Just yeah, totally. just a couple of moments where you're like, oh shit. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sure. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. 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 Well, it doesn't really rest. It's 82, 82 minutes long and it just kind of, conti- it's pretty like yes. hit yes. after hit after hit after hit. So like you said, if you're not paying, giving it your full attention and if you're not really like fully in it, I could see how you would definitely miss a beat here or there. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. There's not a ton of narrative to it, but like, you know, just something, you know, definitely deserves all of your attention. Well, and I think it does too, because there's so many to me, like layers to some of the jokes, like there's sort of a visual jokes, there's cultural references. There's just a lot to think about And Even some stuff that I'm sure I didn't fully pick up on that. I would want to go back. Like this is a rewatcher to me. I mean, mm-hmm. No offense to mysterious skin, which I also think was a great movie that you can't just rewatch that shit. I don't no. think, I don't think most people are just putting that on yeah. again. Whereas like nowhere, like I could put that on tonight and be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> again. And, 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 and anyway, so, uh, yeah, hey, I'm not Mike. kidding that I've watched it four times in the last 18 months. Probably it's, it's such a rewatchable film. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. I love Quite that. a movie. Thank you it. so much, Mike, for bringing this to like, is there another it? movie that you've caught now in his filmography? I mean, you said smiley face. So big recommend a smiley face from Mike. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think maybe people don't know that you've watched at this point that you think people should check out? 
I mean, this, I, I think Smiley, so when I originally pitched this, I, you know, I, I know some, sometimes you guys have been known to talk about two films in a, in a, an episode. Yeah, I feel like we're, this, we're only doing one now just to keep the I episode think, a little shorter. I think that's totally fair. Um, I just thought that this and Smiley Face would be a good companion because they are kind of so different for one filmmaker. Um, so I feel like those Agreed. would be the two that I'd kind of recommend. Um, but we've kind of discussed most of them at this point, you know, like Doom Generation totally fucked up. Um, yeah, he's got, he's got a ton. I, they're all... They're all pretty like pointed messages too. Like each one of them are pretty like, you know what you're getting with each one a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to watch some more and, you know, big ups <laughs> to friend of the show, Adriana, because she's also sort of, you know, uh, uh, played this particular tune for me before of, uh, that I should watch Mysterious skin as well as some of his other movies. So now I'm going to, I'm going to make that time because uh, <laughs> of, because of your recommendation, Mike, and like mm. how much, I thought Flattered. nowhere was really great. Awesome, yeah. I think that's I think that's awesome. It, it I, I so not a Greg Araki film, but if you like this movie, I feel like you'd like Go or like Rules of Attraction. Like I feel like those movies are pretty similar mm-hmm. in tone, where it's like pretty needle drop heavy um, and like just super um, adrenaline fueled a little bit. If that makes sense, super kinetic. Yeah, sure. kinetic is a yeah, great yeah, word. Yeah, 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 good call, good call, Josh. <laughs> All right. Any, any last thoughts, friends, before we wrap up? Uh, the only other note I have is that in the credits, Greg thanks his mom and dad. And I think that's really sweet. I love that. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I can't wait, Josh, until you uh, check out one of these other Greg Araki movies and then tell me what you think. Cause yeah, it's I'm super it's, pumped to watch them yeah. for sure. It's either going to be smiley face. And then I think you're going to be like, what the fuck was that? Or it's going to be <laughs> mysterious skin. And you're still going to say what the fuck was that? But in a tone that speaks <laughs> a lot more to the crushing of your spirit. Yeah. Please in- include me in that group chat. When you, when you finally do watch either yeah. of those movies, yeah, yeah, please, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, we're, we're neighbors. Like we should just watch it. We should. No, yeah. I'm in. What we should do. Just saying, man. Just saying. (laughs) Mike, thank you so much for the recommendation and for coming on the episode. Obviously, I hope people have checked out Wine and Cheese. And if there's future episodes that people will uh, listen to those as well. But I also know you have multiple musical projects. So why don't you plug those on top of like, hey, guys, if you haven't (laughs) listened to Wine and Cheese, check out Wine and Cheese. Thank you. Yeah. So so hopefully Wine and Cheese will make a comeback. I know Joe and I have, have been trying to make time for it. Um that's a podcast where we usually discuss a record and a film and they're usually whiny and cheesy. Um, and then music wise, I play in a band called sun God. It's kind of like, you know, nineties warship mixed with the band real estate a little bit. Um, we should cool, have a full, cool. a, an LP coming. We were recording yesterday and Monday all day. Uh, we nice. should have an LP coming in the next six months or so. Um, and I play another band called webbed wing who just got off of a U.S. five or six week tour with drug church, anxious and Prince daddy and the hyena. Um, and we've got a new EP, uh, three songs, and hopefully another LP at some point in the future too. So, yeah, check out Sun God and Web Wing, please. Thank you. How was how was the tour, by the way? It seemed cool when I was there. It was awesome. Yeah, it was it was really good. All the bands were cool. I, I'd met some of the folks from Drug Church Anxious, Anxious before, but never anyone from Prince Daddy. And uh, that band is crazy good live. <laughs> it's like it's kind of unreal. Um, goes without saying, Drug Church is incredible live stage dives the entire time. And then anxious are just a delight. They're, they're awesome. I feel like they're working on some new music too, but yeah, the tour overall was awesome. Everybody that came out to see us was like super, super supportive and super happy to see us. Hopefully we can do it again soon. You guys are awesome. I love your band. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Josh, you would text me. We've got to play a show together. Oh my God. We've got to do I'm it. So hyped. I yeah. want to do it. 
And Liam, I, I love that you come to all the Chicago and Milwaukee shows. It's always good to see you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it helps, uh, for me that, uh, I think that you are great. So it's like, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what guys, if you want me to support your band more then have at least one member of your band be also a cool person <laughs> in real life. You know what I mean? So it's like, I liked webbed wing. I would like to see webbed wing. I'm also old and I'm bad at making it to shows. So I probably might've missed one of these shows by now, but I was oh, like, oh, I get to see Mike too. Yeah. I gotta go, you know? And I'm glad I definitely thank you for, for, uh, making sure I, or, or at least encouraging me to make it up to that Milwaukee show. Cause oh, yeah. that was my first visit to the cactus club and that venue was fucking sick and they do a lot of good shows there. So now I, I try to get up there when I can. Cause that's, that's there a, cool spot yeah that place was cool and big laugh played so like sorry oh, hands are tied there rules. they're so good yeah so but no feelings mu- feelings mutual to both you guys you guys are the best thanks uh thanks so much for having me oh, oh what a love <laughs> what a fun love fest we're having right here it makes me very happy <laughs> hey y'all thank you for listening uh you know it's a podcast so rate review and subscribe tell a friend check out the patreon check out some of the other shows obviously wine and cheese but you know we got tomb of ideas we've got fucking twitch of the death nerve we've got fucking the carnage report we got fucking cinema smorgasbord there's a lot of shit that you should check out (laughs) right absolutely absolutely Absolutely. all right Again, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Cinepunks forever. <laughs> Smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lohr. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.